When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I used to buy, I still buy bootlegs, so. Uh, we are live. Wayne is ready to go. Go ahead, we Wayne. We are live. We are live, and welcome to Rat Style Review. Hey, oh my God, look who it is. Ralph Vieira. They call him Dr. Fuck. They call him Dr. Fuck. And Manny, how do you pronounce your last name, Manny? Mejias. Mejias. Yeah. Welcome, Manny, and welcome, Ralph. Hello. Live in front of your naked steaming eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I used to have a drug problem, but now I have enough money. <laughs> That's a totally wild quote. Yeah. And and welcome, Lou Mavs. Welcome back to the show. When, I, when was I gone? <laughs> I don't know. You know you're always here. And, and yeah. welcome me. But uh, t- t- today, if I can talk correctly, uh, we're going to talk about um, did grunge kill heavy metal? We were supposed to have a guest on and... Uh, Actually, we're supposed to have Don De Lamont, and if anybody's heard of him, he's got his own podcast called uh, The Great Southern Brain Fart. Really cool guy, but uh, he ended up getting injured, so he had to go to the hospital and get three stitches put in his finger. And uh, so hopefully he's well and everything, and maybe we'll get to him next week. We'll see what happens. But uh, nice hair, Ralph, by the way. Yeah, I- I'm wearing a hat, but I'm not bald. <laughs> One step you know above Angus. Yeah. It's much easier to be bald. I mean, look, everybody's got hair here. You got Manny with curly hair. Head anyway, like the you know the little stubbles on the side and shit. You don't have to do that, Wayne. I do. I, I just actually shaved the other day. But isn't that a pain in the ass? I mean, it's it is. Shave the face, man. You got to do the whole fucking head. I do it all at the same time. I shave my face and shave my head all at the same time. Pain the balls. It really sucks. I mean, God, how do you do that? Do you have mirrors all around you? So you just... No, I just blindly shave. <laughs> don't lie. We know you're a narcissist. You have mirrors everywhere. No, I don't. I, yeah, I do all my... like <laughs> No, I don't do that. But uh, welcome to the show. And we're going to talk about the grunge era. And did it kill heavy metal? Uh, first of all, I'm just going to say no. <laughs> because... <laughs> You know, grunge what started like in what uh, early, I mean, late 89 ish, right? 90s. And just as it was starting, I was getting into heavy metal. So, I mean, I started out with Def Leppard and you know, got into Testament, Metallica, and Iron Maiden and stuff like that. So, when the grunge period got huge, I, I found out Soundgarden. And to me, Soundgarden sounded like a metal band. Absolutely. And, Yep, and and Nirvana, they had it smells like Teen Spirit to me. That's kind of like a metal song almost, you know. It's the heavy drums and the guitars, and um, I I did not see grunge killing metal. Now I, I see grunge killed 
um, like the hair bands, like the glam stuff like that. But I think that was even killing itself because how much th- that wasn't going to last long. You know, I, nobody I, wants to see all that. I blame hair metal for killing hair metal. Right. For, yeah, for I agree. Him. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it had a pretty long reign from 83 to about 90, 91. So that's not bad. But I, I do agree, Manny. Uh, the thing about me where it comes to hair metal, I really think the term hair metal really begins around whenever the first poison element, because if you're going to label Motley Crue, Docking, Rat, hair metal, it wasn't hair metal in the early 80s. No. It was called heavy metal. Right. It wasn't that glossy. I mean, I admit Motley Crue, Rat, and all these bands, and Docking got glossy later, but that early era, which those bands that are classified as hair metal, those were some metal albums. Shout out to Devil, Tooth and Nail, Out of the Cellar. I mean, those were some rocking albums, man. Well, I saw the term pop metal magazines like Circus and Hit Prater, if you guys remember that. Yeah. Um, that was a term they used. And it was basically described bands like Def Leppard, Pyromania, because it was more radio-friendly sound um, than, say, Rainbow. or Actually, even Rainbow uh, with Joe Lynn Turner was kind of a heavier version of Journey in some ways. I mean, I'm not comparing the two bands. They're very different animals. But, you know, that version of Rainbow that I first heard of was a very different than the version that with Ronnie James Dio or even with Graham Bonnet. Oh. Um, so I'm going to agree with Wayne. Lou? I don't think grunge killed heavy metal. And for the record, I hate the term grunge. When I hear grunge, I think of like dirt under fingernails. To me, it's like bands like Soundgarden, Alice in Chains, they were hard rock bands. And I don't feel like they took away from what was going on in metal at the time. I feel like they added to the genre of rock itself by being original. But the problem with every genre, whenever it becomes popular, it becomes overexposed and oversaturated. So I agree with what Ralph said about hair metal killing hair metal because, you know, around that time, late 80s, early 90s, when it was like, you know, <laughs> hair was permed to the to the max <laughs> all out. And when, you know, everyone was wearing like Dago spandex or whatever, you know, it was only a matter of time before people just realized, oh, God, another one. And, you know, when I think metal, I think of like not what poison was. Right. And to me, it's like with 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 the metal bands that came out in the 90s, to me, it was more quality stuff, especially the stuff that was released on independent labels and was considered more underground. Stuff that was getting covered in Metal Hammer and Terrorizer over in Europe. Granted, you didn't see that in the United States, but the United States is not the be-all, end-all of what's popular in, in music because mm-hmm. those bands were doing great in Europe. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, typo negative uh, headlined uh, the uh, dynamo, not dynamo. Um, a b- a bizarre festival in uh, Belgium in 99 when World Coming Down was out. Now, at that time in America, Limp Biscuit was the biggest band yeah. in America. Yeah. Grunge, Grunge was gone by then. And Grunge <laughs> was completely gone by then, but would be revived two years later thanks to Nickelback. But I digress. Uh, but, you know, to me, no, grunge did not kill metal. Metal was still alive. It's just 
it was it just it just went underground and there's nothing wrong with that quality music was still there yeah. well i'm not going to dismiss the whole uh hair metal pop metal genre but it did get formulaic you had to have your rocker and then your second single was your anthem mm. and then you had to have your ballad to show how sensitive and you know you know sensitive hard rockers could be and it all came with a billion dollar video and you had that production that uh, modeled itself after robert john lang and then you had to bring in the outside writers your diane warrens and your desmond child to help you get that even holy crap he's talking about kiss <laughs> well kiss kiss actually you laugh but kiss actually did do that first way back even with Dynasty, they would bring mm-hmm. in outside writers. So, you know, now that probably was more, you know, I don't know if sure if it was radio. Well, I'm sure it was, those guys are very calculating. But, yeah, you I mean, you are right, Lou. Lou, Kiss were one of the first to do that. But they, would, they weren't trying to, I don't know. Uh, Kiss were doing that, but I think it was more out of necessity because I think uh, – I think they realized a lot of their songs are showing sound kind of the same. And also when they were doing the Kisco thing, you know, they needed somebody to help them write those kind of tunes. So. Mm. And then we got the, the Kiss expert here. Well, yeah, I'm a Kiss expert. I, I, it's something that a lot of people don't know. And, and really, it's not even in any books or anything. But Kiss did pay off certain people even to get credit on songs. And an example of that was the dude from Pentagram. I forgot his name. That oh, oh Bobby Liebling. Yeah, he uh, he he said it, and that uh, Kiss wanted a few of their songs and offered him money, and he he refused because they were not going to give him no credit. They were just going to pay him off. So if he said that, I'm thinking, well, how many people did take the money and get no credit? You know what I mean? Yeah, it's true. Shit. But, but you know, I'm sure like your Desmond Childs and your Dan Warren saying nope, but you're gonna yeah, have to give me credit and I'll let you have it, you know what I mean? Yeah. And you gotta remember Kiss also was total hair metal during that oh yeah, oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. Took that asylum. yeah, look at the image in asylum, absolutely. You know, you got the, the neon colors and everything, and yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean Gene Simmons wearing like B. Arthur style clothing with your mom's hairstyle, it was ridiculous. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. It's it. You're right. You're right. Um, yeah, they totally went for that image. You know, well, it's kind of funny because Cinderella is kind of lumped in there. You can sort of say their first album may fall into that category, but in reality, they were a classic hard rock band dressed up in you know, mm. in uh, glam clothing. Right. You listen to Long Cold Winter, and not only that, John Paul Jones of Led Zeppelin isn't going to get involved with his poison. So it tells you something about Cinderella. And the guy who produced him was a guy named Andy Johns who worked with the Rolling Stones. And again, he was no lightweight. So, you know. Cody Powell played drums on Local Winter. And uh, again, somebody who's not going to get involved with somebody they don't, he doesn't respect, you know. I think Night so Song, Night Song fucking rocks. And that, I still think it's a great album. I agree. Yeah. It doesn't sound like glam to me. I mean, maybe a little bit with Nobody's Fool, but, you know, songs like Night Songs and Nothing for Nothing and Back Home Again, those are metal songs. It yeah, the closest to get is, I guess, Shake Me, right? And I even like that song, but I guess Shake Me. Yeah, know. 
Yeah, you know, here hints here and there, but you know, I don't hear cry tough or talk dirty to me. <laughs> no, no, no. I think they just got popular, in, unfortunately, in that period of time where it was all full of the, the glam bands, and they just got lumped into it. No, but also they're to blame. Look at that album cover, you know. Right. I mean that that's total glam album cover, but the music to me is not, you know, hints. But for the most part, it's a pretty hard rocking album, man. Oh, same thing. With yeah. Doc. If you look at the cover to Under Lock and Key, yeah. and what's funny, if you saw that tour, they didn't dress like that ever again. They did that album cover and probably burned that wardrobe. But you know, <laughs> yeah, yep. I mean, you even had uh, uh, Queensrÿch dressing like uh, as as uh, Kingsley uh, King Fally would call it, uh, transvestite vampires. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that wasn't yeah, really look. It was more like. To me, it was more of Depeche Mode than Poison. You know what I mean? To me, yeah, it's yeah. more like they found Prince's leftover wardrobe from the tour before is what it looked like. Right. Great perms they had back then. Oh. But the music still stood right. on its own, was, you right. know? And, you know, when I think of what they call grunge, and I, I've never admitted to being a Pearl Jam or a Nirvana fan, although I thought 10 was a good album, and... I mean, you know, you couldn't go anywhere without somebody rocking uh, a Nevermind or an Utero t-shirt. Um, I thought Nirvana was okay. Wasn't my cup of tea. And for me, Dirt from Alice in Chains, right. Bad Motorfinger from Soundgarden. To me, you could put that up with like classic 70s Sabbath. Absolutely. You could put that up with, you know, uh, what would be... Zeppelin. I'm sorry? Soundgarden Zeppelin, you know, yeah, like vocals, you know, yeah, you could put it up against that, and you could, see, you know, and, and you can not only see influences, but I don't know. It's, to me, it's just it's just about quality of music, and I remember though after Kurt had passed away, uh, regardless of how people say it, some people say it was Courtney Love, but I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> um, sorry, I had to throw that out there. Um, but like, it's amazing how many bands that came out after that happened started to sound like grunge, uh, what, what, what they, what, what they tried to pass off for right. that sound. So in the end, you know, grunge may have killed hair metal the way, or hair metal may have killed the way hair metal killed hair metal, but grunge definitely killed grunge. It was the same thing because hair metal, you had so many copycat bands pretty boy floyd ever all these bands that are you know the look the sound of all these bands that became successful the same thing happened with grunge but to me the difference between grunge and those hair metal bands is that those hair metal bands sounded alike you know they all had that same vibe man allison chain sounds nothing like soundgarden exactly allison chain sound nothing like nirvana you know those were or pearl jam i mean those, yeah. those were the big four and um, it sounded nothing like each other but after Kirk killed himself you had some Soundgarden clones Nirvana clones Alice in Chains clones I mean I I, even popular bands were doing Alice in Chains type songs you know right yeah yeah uh, that's that's the thing like you know heavy metal was so big in in the early 80s you know they were all about you know the satanic stuff and and you know, people get probably tied, uh, sick of hearing that kind of stuff, and that's why the hair metal came in because everybody wants to party and all that crap. So you know, heavy metal kind of killed itself in a way. And then 
when this grunge thing happened, those heavy metal bands tried to be grunge. I mean, you had um, look at Metallica; they tried to be grunge, and you know, didn't work. And and even Megadeth tried to be grunge that way too. It it just didn't work. Are we gonna say, Manny? When we're talking about obviously the the bottom line is when we're talking about heavy metal killed uh, itself and this and that, we're really talking about the media, right? Yeah, because the media is what controls everything. You got to remember. Headbangers Ball had Poison, Bonfoni, had all these bands on there. <laughs> they weren't, they weren't fucking metal bands, but they would, you know, the media was telling you, no, they're metal. And right. then when grunge came in, the media is the one that's saying grunge killed metal. You know, yeah. that's the media talking to everybody. That's why people say grunge killed metal, because the media, and let me tell you something, ever since I was a little boy, I still have the the copy of a, 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 a cream magazine where it's this is 1978 mind you is heavy metal dead they've been they've been writing the obituary for heavy metal since the 70s right it's always been it's, it's always been trying to kill metal and it just it just won't happen you know even when it was at the lowest of the low in america there were still big festivals in europe that was all these you know, europe didn't get the memo Right? <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> but over here, people are so they're sheep, basically. And and you know, uh, like like MTV. All right, no more Headbangers Ball. Yeah. That's it. Why did they cancel Headbangers Ball at that time? Why? Because grunge was big, so they were trying to. MTV is another one saying, "Look, metal's dead." You know, yeah. it's always it, it's always been this way, and it always will be this way. I wrote a song where it says, you know, uh, about the the obituary been written from heavy metal forever. Since Mm -hmm. the inception, Black Sabbath and Led Zeppelin, who are proto-metal, never got a favorable review in the 70s, ever. And now they're... None of those guys did. None of those guys did. But they're all in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You know why? Because the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, who are a bunch of elitist douchebags that write from rolling stone magazine listen to the people because metal has always been a people's music not a critics you know critics have have written it off forever but bottom line is metal will never die it may do this but it'll never die die and you really think about this what year are we in we're in 2020 Uh, dude even in the 80s you you wouldn't hear about fucking um you know, uh, the stars of the of the 50s, not 30 years prior. Right. Now we're 40 years yeah. and metal is still, people still go see Judas Priest, Iron Maiden, you know, that big venues. It, it's different than, you know, like when I was a kid, the, the time difference was swing music. And, you mm. know, just, I mean, yeah, you have your exceptions of Frank Sinatra and so on that are legendary and Tony Bennett, but I'm talking about like, Metal is has been a force since 1970 to this day and age, and still around today. And it's still around, and they're still releasing music. It, People are still flocking to the shows because kids discover the music. It's not, it's not just. I'm 51. It's not just some 51 year old guys. Now, granted, a lot of the bigger bands price kids out of going to those shows. It's just a shame, mm-hmm. but a lot of that music does sell. What I was going to say too is, prior to grunge the music was changing anyway. There were bands like Faith No More, Jane's Addiction, where 
you had uh, magazines like Guitar for Practice and Musician, not your father's heavy metal. Now, whether Jane's Addiction is heavy metal or not, that we can debate that if you like. But my point is that already the tide was changing. People were looking for something more. I don't mind poison, but as much as I may like poison, that's empty calories. Sometimes you want to hear something with more death. And, you know, talk dirty to me is fun. You go to a concert, pick up a couple of chicks, but you know, it, it doesn't make you think about any anything deep. Yeah. I, I hope not anyway, if it's your poison, but. Um, uh, I but mean, you, I, I'm not into poison, but I love brain dead shit. I'm a big fucking Kiss fan. Yeah, but, <laughs> but, but behind Kiss, that you can tell as corny and as ridiculous as some of their songs can be, you can tell that Gene and Paul are two intelligent guys. Those are, yeah. whatever you may say about Kiss, you may say, I don't like their songs. I don't like this. I don't like their image. But if you, if you're listening to even their worst album, you can go, I hate that songwriting, but it's well constructed. It's well put together. Yeah. They're they, good songwriters. yeah they, they know what they're doing, even if some of this too calculating. So I think that's why someone like Kiss would get a pass where Poison doesn't, at least in my opinion. But, but the, the whole point of Kiss too is like, you know, all oh, Kiss, it's all about the, the bombs and this and that. Let me tell you, man, if they had shitty songs, nobody would care. Yeah, exactly. Right. At the end of the day. Work, you know? yeah, and they wouldn't be they wouldn't still be around today. You know? Yeah. Nobody yeah, would I, give a shit. Exactly. Exactly. And and that's that's the bottom line. You know, it's about the songs and and uh but I don't think uh and also keep in mind that when grunge first came out, even Nirvana, they weren't promoted as an alternative rock band. They're promoted as a heavy metal band. Even Pearl Jam, who really is more a classic rock, even jam band, they're promoted as a heavy metal band. But Pearl Jam came from the ashes of Mother Love Bone and great Mother band. Love Bone, which are a great band. But Andrew Wood was a big fan of Queen and T-Rex and and things like that. So, yeah, that's the glam scene. So Right. And not only that, Soundgarden and even Kurt Cobain were Kiss fans. And um, not only that, Kurt Cobain was a Celtic Frost fan. Yeah, he was. He and was. We listened to on the tour bus on the In Utero tour. Yep. And, and you come to find out years later, Henry Rollins is a fan of Ted Nugent. Maybe not his politics, but a fan. The point is that this music is a lot more... Um, uh, widespread and a lot more yeah. influential than even was given credence at the time. You know? I admit when I was younger, I used to get very upset when uh, mainstream media didn't validate the bands that I liked. Now, in that genre of grunge, there yeah. was one band that stood out to me and and they were not from Seattle. They weren't even American. They were an Irish band called Curb Dog, who when my brother bought the cassette just because of the name, he thought the name sounded cool. And we put it in the, his cassette player and his radio. And we're like, holy shit, this is awesome. I'm like, these guys should be bigger. And this, um, this was 95. We discovered this cassette and it came out in 93. No one had heard of curb dog in the United States. It was all what they were pushing on MTV. And I remember at at the time, you know, like 1994, 90, 90, uh, the Blue Murder album had come out, Nothing But Trouble. And I remember there was an, uh, a New York radio station that was playing 
we all fall down. It was a, it was Q104.3 when they were pure rock. Mm-hmm. And then the moment that the tide changed when, you know, we were mourning the death of Kurt Cobain, it's like they completely abandoned that format and went for like just all Seattle bands. Didn't matter if it was good. It just had to fall in that formula. And then I was like, why aren't they playing Curb Dog? You know, they're on a major label. They were on Mercury at the time. You know, you figured, okay, big money label like Mercury, you know, payola was a thing at the time. I don't care what anyone says. Radio stations did play stuff if you paid them. Look at JoJo's success, people. But I digress. Um, You know, it's just, it it annoyed me when radio, MTV didn't validate the, the music that I liked. But looking back on it, I asked myself, why did I care? Why did I bother so much? Now, now to this day, I'm just like, you know, I like what I like. I don't care if it's relevant to you or not, but I'm going to like it anyways. Sorry, Ralph, go ahead. No, no, I didn't want to cut you off. I'm my, I agree with you. The thing is that it drives me fucking crazy with these people bitching about why their band is not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Why do you care? Yeah. The Rock and Roll, I don't blame the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I blame you for caring about an institution that looks down on your music and that are forced to put in bands like Kiss and Sabbath and Zeppelin, who they've always, always bashed back in the day. Now, this is the enemy. It's like, you know, it's kind of like, I don't know, man, Jews for Hitler. I, I don't get it. <laughs> Fuck the fucking rock and roll off. And it makes no sense to me how you can like something that really wants your music dead. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And the media is the same way. You know, I don't give a fuck. You know, hey, man, I went to go see Sebastian Bach. I mean, I'm not a big, cute. I love those couple Skid Row albums. You couldn't fit another person in that place. It was packed. Yeah. It was packed. And that guy gets no press at all. And when he does get press, he's a fucking idiot. All he does is say stupid <laughs> shit online. And he still packs a fucking club, you know, because right. of the music, because of the people that don't listen to what is cool what you gotta you know this is the hot thing and that's a hot thing fuck that make your own decision and stop wanting your band in the rock and roll of fame stop it because you're the enemy for the enemy you know that's the way i look at it it's like why isn't Judas priest in there fuck that i want bon scott out of there mm. yeah he, he wouldn't want to be in there himself exactly you know i want black sabbath the fuck out of there they hated them, but they were pressured. Hey, man, we got to bring Black Sabbath in because they influenced Soundgarden, and we like them. Yeah. You know? Well, Black it's like Sabbath it's like my favorite Groucho Marx line. I wouldn't want to join any club that would have me as a member. There you go. <laughs> and the and my hero Johnny Rotten, Johnny Lydon, when they inducted uh, Sex Pistols, he wrote them a letter: "Fuck you and fuck your." your club and and another hero of mine that you know i i i don't own none of his records is uh steve miller steve miller was inducted he went there and he said man you're charging ten thousand dollars for tables in the front ten where the fuck's that money going i don't see who's pocketing all this fucking money john warner probably I love him for that. You know, he went there and they were saying, they were saying, they were saying, Hey, you got to get off stage. And he's like, no, no, I'll get you off the stage. <laughs> Steve Miller rules, man. You know? Yeah. That's how I look at it. Fuck the rock and roll fame, but fuck more the people that care about the rock and roll fame than the actual rock and roll fame. That's what I think. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, now, mind you, we're not saying that people shouldn't like grunge bands. If you like grunge bands, great. But don't start bullshit that it killed heavy metal because it didn't. No, there, there was nothing wrong with grunge. If it wasn't for a lot of these grunge bands, I wouldn't have gotten into a lot of the metal bands because, like you yeah. said, Kurt Cobain was into um, Celtic or Celtic Force, whatever you want to pronounce it. Tom and, Warrior's you know, band. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Celtic Frost. Well, he used to pronounce it Celtic, so that's why there's a confusion. Well, I have a video of him in the 80s saying Celtic Frost. Yeah. Um, but yeah, without those bands, without the grunge bands, I would never know about a lot of the metal stuff. And, um, you yeah. know, if, thanks to them, I, I, my collection looks like that, you know? So it's great, man. I mean, I, I mean, I didn't like the media spin on it, but man, when I heard, I saw Soundgarden open for Voivod, you know, and yeah. I, I didn't know who the fuck they were. And I bought that CD, Louder Than Love, right after that. I was like, man, they, they were very Sabbath-y, you know? Because you talk about grunge, like, that's Sabbath, man. Mm-hmm. What Soundgarden was doing was very Sabbath-y, you know? It was like right. rubble and candle mask, you know, just uh, with, with a Robert Plant-type singer. Right, yeah. Amazing, man. And then Bad Motor Finger, I thought was even better. I thought, oh my, like, hell yeah. Yeah. You know, I was totally into that shit, but... You know, I wasn't into like the media saying this is what's killing metal. I was like, no, this is actually contributing to metal in yeah. my life, in my world. I think the bands that were grungy, supposedly, I don't like that term either, would be bands that didn't make it. Mud Honey and uh, Tad. The Melvins. Yes, I, the Melvins. But hey, Melvins, Melvins are still around today. You know, yeah, so they, they are. They, they are. They, even yeah. though they didn't make it, they're still here. You know that is awesome. That's that's underrated band right there. Make Absolutely. it by whose standards, though? I mean, right. by commercial. Right. Listen, if I really gave a fuck what commercial radio said, then I wouldn't be a fan of this band as much as I am. Now yeah. they came out at the same time as grunge, but did they get any radio play? No, they didn't, because they weren't formulaic crap. No, but they they saw quite a few albums i don't know how many but they're very successful you know probably exactly more so that but yeah and that's what determines that's what determines a band's longevity they're you know like people still see the melvins when they play in concert people go to clutch concerts when they come to town you know it's like that that is a band's rock and roll hall of fame the fact that they still you know speak to their fans speak to the people so you know and and as far as I'm concerned, Clutch has done more for underground bands than any medium, as 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 far as I'm concerned. You know, like you you'll get like your hardcore bands, you'll get your your stoner bands. They'll they'll bring all those bands out on tour with them because they just love good music, and that's what it's all about. You know, yes, there yeah. were good, there were there were there were good bands in the grunge genre, but they did not contribute to any death of heavy metal. No, but but they did not ever take out a metal band out on tour. Where metal bands took grunge bands out on tour before they made it. This right. is true. That I thought was unfair. You know, I mean, Allison Chains, which I thought was the best out mm-hmm. of all. Yep. Opened the th- Thrash of the Titans. Now, I was already a fan because if somebody gave me the, the facelift CD, mm-hmm. I, I'm talking about bef- before Man in the Box. I mean, it's. Yeah, same here. I, I bought that before it came out, too. Yeah. yeah. But, I heard uh, the first song "We Die Young." I was like, "Fuck!" Somebody, yeah, it's heavy. Somebody had, somebody had given me a twelve-inch single of "Man in the Box." I can't remember what the B side was, but it was a non-album side uh, or album cut. 
And I fell in love with that right away. And they actually opened for Poison because Alice in Chains would tour with anybody at that point. You know, they didn't, they just wanted to get out there and, and I, and give credit to Poison because, you know, back then bands could handpick. I don't think they do so, so much anymore, but back then, you know, but also, you know, I'm sure Brad Michaels isn't as that dumb and he's so, hmm, there's a writing on the wall, something different's coming, you know? So I'm sure it wasn't like, I doubt Brett and Michael sat around and listened to Alice in Chains. I could be wrong, though. I could be wrong, but well, even, I, even they changed well, their their sound a little bit and went a little. Yeah, who knows? What we got? What to say, Lou? I was going to say to 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 Brett Michael's credit, and I'm I'm not the biggest Poison fan in the world, but uh, talk about it. Yeah, I mean his his music may be uh, formulaic and fall in that, but again, he he. I, I give him credit because he goes out and performs for the people. He did um, a, f- a free concert for, uh, you know, people in the town of Oyster Bay where, you know, nearby where I live. And he also played Mulcahy's and he gave half of the um, half, half of the um, the ticket, uh, uh, the ticket money to i i don't think it was wounded warriors projects but he he gave it to uh veterans people so you know he's 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 always looking you're right he took allison chains out on tour with them but he probably you know didn't care that they were different he just saw opportunity was there you know like to you know maybe cross fan bases but he he also does you know does his best to contribute to society in some way so I, I'll give him that credit. And he has yeah. a good Snapple. Yeah, he's doing the same thing down here. Look, I'm not a fan of Brett Michaels at all. And I'm definitely not a fan of uh, John Bon Jovi. But that guy has opened restaurants for homeless people. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, he has. You know, and I'm not a fan of this at all. But as a human being, that's fucking awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And he actually, uh, John Bon Jovi actually goes in and cleans the... Uh, goes in the back of the kitchen and does some work he cleans washes dishes uh, pots and pans you know so i give him credit yeah i think that's cool um i don't know the the term grunge i mean is that a real term for music in you guys opinion no i don't even know where i came from <laughs> i was reading something about that it came from, it was like in the 70s um but i forget some the guy, some producer like came up with that term or whatever but even the grunge bands I was reading, like uh, um, definitely Soundgarden and, and Nirvana, they did not like that term grunge at all. They didn't even want to be associated with that name at all. Because they don't sound it... like Soundgarden. They don't sound like Nirvana. It's mm. the weirdest thing, you know? Even, you know, I'm the big metal guy. I hear a similarity with early Maiden, early Priest. I hear the similarity with Accept, you know, with that heavy metal stuff. Right. Yep. These guys were polar opposites, man. I can't, mm-hmm. especially Alice in Chains with the melodies and the heaviness. It was like, and Pearl Jam is so different than all that. Yeah, like so right. many people Lou, they were like a jam band. You know, uh, Manny yeah, mentioned that. Manny, Manny said. So it's just so different. So the grunge thing is again what I was saying earlier. The media tags it. This is yeah, what, yeah, just a follow yeah. trend. That's a little. And, and a lot of people are like that because if you put up any fucking music, there's always somebody that's got to say. It sounds like this band. It sounds like that band. Can you just listen to music and just, you know? Yeah. People like familiarity. That's the thing about that, you know. But you know, the, 
the funny thing is, though, it's like if, if you say grunge and then you say Owls and Chains, Pearl Jam, Nirvana and Soundgarden. OK, so your basis for that genre name is the fact that those four bands came from Seattle. You know, who else came from Seattle. Jimi Hendrix and Queensryche. Do they sound alike? And heart. Hearts from there. And heart. Yes. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Well, you know, Nirvana also had a, a pop sensibility to it. Uh, even on Bleach, if you hear it, there's a, a pop sensibility. I remember when they started throwing the word punk around, I didn't consider them punk because to me, it, um, to me, punk was the Sex Pistols and the, you know, the old, the old guard, you know, right. and, and Nirvana didn't really have a, a political, uh, lyrical content or even the hint of it. It was more uh, egocentric, meaning it was more about Kurt Cobain and what he was feeling, you know, more than it was a universal thing. Now, granted, a lot of kids get depressed. They may have been related to it, but he wasn't real. In my opinion, Kurt Cobain wasn't writing for an audience. He was writing for himself, and he just happened to be able to write these melodies that were catchy and poppy, you know. Yeah, I, I, I love the poppy part. I'm not a big Nirvana fan, but I love their poppy song. Mm. Do you like um, uh, uh, Sliver from Incesticide? Yes. That, that's a good track, I'll admit. Take me home. Uh, and I like, uh, like I, I, well, look, when they first burst it out, I didn't know. I, I knew Bleach from a friend of mine, and I heard it. I was like, oh, I, I didn't get it. Mm-hmm. I liked About a Girl, and I liked Negative Creep, but the rest of it, eh. Then when I heard Teen Spirit, I really didn't get it. Then the next single, Come As You Are, I was like, this is even worse. Then they played Lithium, and I became a huge fan of that album. To me, I know it's the trendy thing to say, but to me, Nevermind is their best album. Stay Away, um, In Bloom. I mean, that whole album, except for those two big hits, I love the fuck out of that album. I didn't like their more alternative things, you know, like... Uh, uh, so not the Steve Albini produced uh, stuff. And I hate that guy. <laughs> I hate him. You know what he did to Cheap Trick? He, Cheap Trick's second album in color. He re-recorded it because Cheap Trick hated the album. So he, oh my god, that shit's fucking blasphemy. It's so bad, and I don't like his production. I didn't like In Utero. I mean, I like uh, what's that T song? Penny Royalty. Yeah, Penny, Penny Royalty. Royalty yeah. yeah, I like that song, and I liked uh, the the single Heart Shaped Box. Heart Shaped Box. Yeah, actually, I I like that album quite a bit, and but I. Obviously, Kurt Cobain was um, story behind that is Kurt Cobain obviously was trying to be edgy, and the original production from Albini. This is in his biography, Heavier Than Heaven, and there's a bunch of other books you can look at it. The record company heard it, they didn't like it, but they couldn't really do anything about it because you know they had uh, you know creative control. But yeah, but Kurt Cobain is the one that went back. And goes went back and re-recorded a lot of those tracks, so that's why it sounds as good as it does. But he told Albini that the record company is giving me shit. They're saying it's not commercial enough. But reality is, Cobain was very disappointed and went back and you know, I don't know who produced it. I think it was the engineer, or maybe they brought Butch back in by secret. But that's why a lot of those songs, they didn't re-record everything. There's a few songs on there you can tell they didn't like on radio friendly or whatever that crap is but um albini has gone on record and said that he's not a producer he just he's an engineer he just records the bands like 
he he produced a lot of stuff for the band Neuro- sorry not produced recorded a lot of stuff for the band neurosis but he's never labeled on anything as a producer because he's like i don't produce anything the band produces it i just record it so in other words bullshit on that because he's got a sound you know so Mm -hmm. yeah yeah but anyway i'm just quoting him don't kill the messenger i know i know but (laughs) i'm just saying in utero is why you know they went back and cobain just told the press that you know the label made him go back and do it but that's not true you know that was Mm -hmm. cobain's idea and uh, the, the one thing I, I really liked about grunge was even like how you mentioned, Manny, how the, the lyric, the lyrical content fit like, you know, w- with depression and, and just like real life topics, you know, and, and a lot of the metal bands weren't really doing that. They're talking about Satan and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I, I like the realism of the, the grunge stuff. You know, it, it made you feel like, you know, you you fit in with that, you know, and that's that's the stuff. That's why I like that. Grunge was more personal, but thrash. Right. Thrash really did. You know, they weren't really Satan to say that. It was more no, but they were more like uh, political in a way. Yeah. yeah. You know, it was, they were talking more about, you know, social issues. Right. Thrash, like nuclear assault. And well, stuff. then that means thrash metal was really more influenced by punk than so called grunge was. Then, right. Truthfully. Yeah. You know? uh, uh, and uh, New Wave of British Heavy Metal. It was a combination of both that really, and Judas Priest. A lot, all thrash bands look back at Priest. And Kiss, you know, has big influences on. Yeah, of course. Yeah, Chuck Schuldiner was a huge Kiss fan. Um, But I I think, like everything, self-loathing definitely became a focal point in a lot of grudge bands that came in that wake. And after a while with self-loathing, it's like, all right, I'm really tired of hearing about this. Like, it's becoming as played out as the whole, you know, satanic imagery, as you were mentioning before, Wayne. I mean, I remember you know going to club shows in 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 queens uh, especially at castle heights there were a couple of bands who came from my area they went to my same high school and they were writing songs that sounded they tried to be nirvana essentially was what it was and the problem was there was i just didn't think there was any sincerity in it well that's, i was like that's the thing i was like I was like, dude, your dad's a doctor, your mom's a nurse, you live in a big house. What the fuck do you have to be depressed about? It's like, come on. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, lack of sincerity. I think stand or stain, excuse me. I think they took it to the ridiculous level with the whole self-loading. If you listen to any of those songs that were big for a while. I'll agree with that. Yeah. And is the guy talented? Sure, but you know, nobody's that depressed. <laughs> so, I mean, even Kurt Cobain wrote lighthearted songs for fuck's sake. Nobody is that depressed, you know. So, uh, I mean, see. Ozzy complimented Kurt's writing and said it was great pop music. I mean, even even uh, Joe Elliott at Def Leppard praised his songwriting. So, you know, he said, oh, it's like Beatles, just more distorted. You know, good stuff. Yeah, good good music. That. I can see that, you know, yeah. again, he, he wrote good pop melodies and, and people forget that. Um, you know, I, I think uh, people compare the rise of grunge to punk in the seventies. The difference is that punk never took off in the United States. A matter of fact, when punk was big over in, in the seventies, 77, 78 in Europe, or you specifically United Kingdom, what was big over here? Disco. Even Blondie, who I love, 
recorded a disco type tune, Heart of Glass, you know, so um, the Ramones hired Phil Spector. So that kind of music did not have any, any, uh, not only any commercial clout, but any kind of clout. They would get press maybe in Rolling Stone. Now, in the 80s and 90s, that started changing some, you know, the classically had hits, but, you know, in the 80s and 90s, that started changing. And these bands would, you know, not only start selling records, but you also saw a new alternative scene with bands like the Smiths and um, Depeche Mode. And again, none of these bands sound like any of them, but, but people forget all of this stuff. And, you know, at least uh, I feel they do. Any uh, in, in the chat here, uh, Jules Guitar says, uh, he would say grunge is uh, the persistence of heavy music after con- consumer- consumerism killed heavy metal. Mm. Well, so. That's your opinion, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I respect it. But uh, I think grunge actually really helped out metal a lot, really, because a lot of the metal bands, you know, even though they were trying to fit into, you know, trying to figure out what to do, you know, because like I said earlier, some of the metal bands really tried to be grunge and didn't work out. But go over to Europe and you got Halloween. They got back on track and, and put out. The, I always got to go back to Halloween, right? Lou? Hey, why not? <laughs> oh, Wayne, I fit it in there somehow. But the, you just you know, they, that pumpkin behind you. You had to mention yeah, the band it's right thing. there. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, them and then um, uh, Gamma Ray. Yeah, another Halloween band, and then you got Blind Guardian and all that, all that European uh, heavy metal, power metal stuff. You know that that started to become huge. So yeah, you know. yeah, you're right in the '90s, but you got to remember the one band that really flew the flag of metal, love them or hate them, they were packing places and they went number one in 1994 was Pantera. Pantera, Pantera, Pantera yeah. absolutely. Went absolutely. number one in the height of grunge. Yeah, you know? and they and they had a rabid following all until the end, man. But uh, I agree with you, Wayne. I got into a lot of the power metal stuff. But, you know, in the 90s, too, I got into black metal. I really liked right. the, second, the second coming of black metal, like Immortal and Emperor and all that stuff. Yeah. That's what I was into. And some of the power metal. I liked that early Hammerfall. Primal Fear is probably one of my favorites. Mm. And yeah, Halloween was around already, but they were still releasing great stuff with Andy Darris. You know? Yeah, well, that's that's when uh, when Andy Darius came in. That's when they started becoming the the like the earlier stuff that they used to do. Because then they had those two albums that a lot of people don't like. I like the uh, I like the pink pink bubbles. pink bubbles. Yeah, I like that. Chameleon was terrible, but <laughs> yeah. if you like that one, I know you're the hell. Yeah, of course, uh, of course, I did. Yeah, <laughs> you gotta admit that's a drastic different album. Huge difference. Yeah, I don't. I don't. It's it's hard to consider it a Halloween album just because of the. Yeah. the complete departure they had there but yeah i, I like it there, watch our episode covering that album <laughs> a lot <laughs> I of memories every track and rip it apart a lot of memories with that album I mean, so the, the single from chameleon was catchy i liked it but it wasn't halloween you yeah. know, i don't know the name of the song but i really liked that song but the rest of that album was like wow man. oh uh, uh when the sinner love that song and it doesn't sound like halloween but it's a great yeah. poppy type tune you know Yep. Well, I think every band has a weird album in their discography, except ACDC, because they just do the same thing, which is fine, you right. know, but yeah. Yeah, that's it. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. well uh, I get upset that Flick of the Switch barely gets any love, but I love that album. That's a great album. That's a great album. I don't think they've made an album that good since, and I love some of the later stuff. Like the last two albums, I really liked a lot, but Flick of the Switch to me was, I mean, 
nothing was as good as Flickers. Oh yeah, Nervous Shakedown, Badlands, Bedlam, and Belgium, oh, which, by the way, is based on a. Brian Johnson wrote the lyrics based on an experience Bon Scott had. So it's kind of interesting, you know. I did not know that. What are you talking about? The the Belgium? Bedlam in Belgium. Oh, wow. So, yeah, when they were in Belgium, you know, they were trying to stop the show and Bon said something to him and the cop came and arrested him. I don't think they cracked him in the back of the head, but you got to have a little bit of, you know, poetic license. So, oh, That's cool, man. That's awesome. Yeah. I love Brian Johnson because he's so respectful to Bon, you know. Absolutely. And we also like the fact he's his own man. He didn't try to be Bon Scott, you know. Thankfully, he didn't take his shirt off and all that stuff like Bon. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he left the Paperboy hat on. I, yeah. will, I will say this, though. Like, uh, In Flames was the gateway band for me after grunge had imploded and new metal exploded that yeah. opened me up to the uh, metal scene in Europe. Jester's so, Race is awesome. What yes, a- that's the album. What a great album. I liked Oracle, too. That was a good one. I didn't listen to any of that power metal stuff. Uh, not really. Other than, other than Halloween. That's, that's like death metal. Melodic than, death metal, they called it, in. Well, I, I grew up in Tampa, so, you know, death metal was it. But Halloween was the only one. And Manowar. And the only reason I heard of Halloween is we used to have a local station, V32, you know, UHF station. And they used to have three hours of metal. And one of the videos they would play would be Halloween, Halloween, except it was like a three minute version, not seven oh, yeah. minute or whatever. We don't stuff. include, we don't mention that version. <laughs> yeah. But that's how I got into them. But I don't recall them being called power metal. But stuff like Blind Guardian, um, Hammerfall, I didn't hear about that stuff till, I don't know, 2000s. By then, it had already been around a while. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Rhapsody Fire uh, was another one I hadn't heard of. Yeah, that that was yeah Rhapsody. That was another one, man. That was what I was gravitating to when everybody was into Silver Chair and, yeah. and all that. It's funny. I remember one year for Christmas, uh, I I want you know like I always tell my mother to get me uh, CDs and stuff because I was really heavy into that. It's when my yeah. collection started growing, and I got Rhapsody, <laughs> the first Rhapsody album, Alice in Chains, Sap. I mean, how much different could you be? You know. <laughs> And I forget some of the other ones, but it just two completely different uh, genres there. And it's just like, you know, it didn't matter to me. Music is music. If you like it, it you know, that's all. Well, at the end of the day, that's really it. I mean, oh, really. Dude, man, I, I'm 56 years old and I grew up listening to radio that would play Elton John, Led Zeppelin, uh, You Light Up My Life, whatever that <laughs> chick's name was called, Pat, Patty Boone or something. You know, yeah. it was so eclectic growing up listening to radio that that's how I was raised, you know, by different things. Yeah. When, but I will admit in the eighties, if it wasn't in early eighties, if it wasn't metal, it was crap, you know, right. but then I grew out of that shit, you know, but still, uh, but I will say to this day, I love a lot of different types of music. I'm in love with that new ABBA album. I'm a big ABBA fan, but mm. I will say this, man, I love a lot of different types of music, but still, I will still say it all takes a backseat to metal. My true, favorite true. fucking music ever. And Black Sabbath rules. <laughs> and Greatest heavy metal ever. has never died, especially on Rat Salary Review. Heavy metal will never it's die. Gonna die. It's going to die when I die. And believe me, that's no time soon. No, I hope not. Still got to finish what? the King Diamond show first. Oh, man. I'll be, I'll be, setting, <laughs> I'll be, I'll be there at your grave, Wayne. Put it down. I'm yeah. telling you, I'm. <laughs> 
I'm gonna break records, dude. I'm gonna be a Guinness World Records, 198 years old. I think I'll. I'll <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. But uh, this was a lot of fun, and uh, yeah. I, what's everybody? What's your favorite? I mean, there's only so many grunge bands, but what's your favorite grunge band? Oh, Lou? Lou. I, again, I hate the term, but um, I would say the, of the popular bands, I'd have to give it to uh, Alice in Chains' Dirt. A band that I think people should check out is Curb Dog's self-titled CD. All right, cool. I'll have to check that out. I've never, ever, ever heard that before. Curb Dog with a K. K-E-R-B-D-O-G. Mm. Okay. I trust you. Ralph? I agree. Allison Chains is my favorite and mm. underrated Tad. I, I would yeah. say people should check out Tad. That is a cool band. I, I always remember seeing the videos on Headbangers Ball, but I never, I liked them, but I never like got into them. And a band that was, I don't know if people would be into them or not, because they're very, very poppy, but I'm a huge fan that traveled to New York to see Letters to Cleo. I don't know if Letters know. to Cleo was cool. Mm-hmm. I love that fucking band, man. Yeah. Here and Now was a great track, and their yeah. cover of uh, Dangerous Type from the Cars was awesome. awesome. It is awesome. Yeah. I love Letters great. to Cleo, but they're they're more of a power pop band because I'm you know one of my favorite bands ever is Cheap Trick, and they covered I Want You to Want Me Too. And uh, I discovered Letters to Cleo on Conan O'Brien. The chick was wearing a Cheap Trick shirt. And I was like, who is this? And I automatically loved them because, you know, the music was good and she's and she's hot and she's wearing a fucking cheap trick shirt. So you know, <laughs> an instant fan. and yes, like four years ago, I traveled to New York with my friend. My friend Carlos lives there, a total metalhead, death metal guy. I dragged him along saying, dude, I'm sorry. I know you're not going <laughs> to like it, but, you know, come with me to see this. I'll buy you a ticket. And yeah, sure enough, he didn't like it. But man, that was a great show. Uh, Manny. Oh, easy. Soundgarden, uh, Bad Motor Finger. I think Soundgarden was a good combination of what was came before and what was coming in the future. And uh, I just think they were a great band. And I miss Chris Cornell. May he rest in peace. Absolutely. And Lane Staley as well. And Mike Starr. My Bad Motor Finger is a fucking masterpiece. From beginning to end. Yeah. Yeah, it's excellent. I, I love uh, Jesus Christ pose. I mean, he I plays the same, almost the same drum beat through the entire song. I saw him play that live. And it's it's amazing. That's one of my favorite, uh, you know, drum beats in, in a one song. Of my, just, one of my favorite videos too. How that nails coming through the screen. Yeah, yeah. that video is wicked, man. And uh, but, uh, my good eye closed, mine mm-hmm. wide. Uh, uh, room they did a killer. Yeah, that's what I was going to mention. Yeah. They did a yeah. killer cover of Into the Void from Sabbath mm-hmm. when they changed the lyrics. So yeah, I have that single actually. I think mm-hmm. it's the Outshine single or Rusty Cage, one or two. I have it on CD. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love Soundgarden. I mean, as I said, I got into them right when I saw them open for Old Void, but I had no idea who they were. And I was mm-hmm. like, man, what the fuck? Listen to that guy, you know? Yeah. Like, oh, damn, what a voice on him, man. It was yeah. a, that was the best time I ever saw him. Because unfortunately, every time I saw Soundgarden uh, on um, uh, what's the album after I saw them open for Guns N' Roses on that uh, Super Unknown, Super Unknown. Oh my God, the sound man should have been fired. No, that was that was Guns N' Roses. I saw saw them twice. I saw them headlining, sounded great. I saw them open for Guns N' Roses Metallica. It sounded like shit. I agree. Okay, yeah, yeah, the sound man, was fucking terrible. Yeah, I I actually like the four original 
uh, well, the four big ones of, of the Seattle scene. I, I'm still a huge fan of all of them, personally. I just remembered something. We said that, you know, the grunge bands ever took metal bands on tour. I don't know how anyone particularly feels about the band Coed in Cambria, but mm-hmm. Soundgarden did take them on tour. But I and, actually like them, yeah. And and even Heaven and Hell, Sabbath with Dio took Coed in Cambria on tour. So I think that's definitely a feather in Coed's camp. The fact that Soundgarden and an an iteration of Black Sabbath took them on tour. So, well, I refuse to call them Heaven and Hell. It's Black Sabbath, anyway. Amen to that. <laughs> uh, my my favorite is Soundgarden and Allison Chains, but uh, Chris Cornell. Yeah, like you said, Manny, miss him. Uh, he's probably my top favorite vocalist. Uh, just you know, everything that he did vocally was just Ever? awesome. He's he's up there. Really? Well, he's up there. Michael he's up Michael Kiske's my favorite. Michael Kiske's my favorite, but what? yeah, Chris Cornell. Yeah. Not no. me. No, not you. Have you heard <laughs> yourself? No. But yeah, Michael Kiske and, and Chris Cornell definitely like, you know, the, the top favorites. But uh yeah, and, and my wife actually got to see them. I was so pissed right when they got back together, yeah. Soundgarden. Uh, her friend had tickets to go see Soundgarden, and, and he asked her to go, and I, I wish he would have asked me, because I, I would have wanted to see that. I once saw Chris Cornell solo. It was amazing. Yeah. He had that one solo album that was crap, though. That one that he did with um, that rapper Billy guy. Jean. Oh, that was terrible. Yeah, I can't remember the name of it. What the hell was the rapper guy? Scream, uh, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, I don't Scream. remember. It was yeah, terrible. Was so bad. Yeah. yeah. But uh, to end shitty. the show, to Let's end the show, what what do you guys think killed grunge? I mean, was it, was it Kurt Cobain killing himself and that pretty much like put everything to the end or was it something else? Nah, the same thing that killed metal. You metal? Know? Mm. The media moved to new metal. New, the, the new, yeah, new metal. You know, the whole Limp Bizkit corn and stuff like that. that. That's what took its place. And the media mm. focused on that, you know? And the oversaturation and overexposure of it definitely uh, helped to kill it. I mean, I remember after Headbangers Ball had uh, gone off the air, um, I was still watching 120 Minutes. Like, I liked both shows, but 120 Minutes, I remember there were a, a lot of bands who, if you asked me which one was which, I couldn't tell you because a lot of them sounded the same. So it was only a matter of time. Um, I take it new- back. I take it back. Cookie cutter bands really killed it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's what killed grunge. Oversaturated. Just like Britney Fox and Pretty Boy Floyd, you know, kind of like, you know, since it was metal to the media. Mm. I mean, Wayne, there were a lot of bands that were considered new metal that I thought was uh, an unfair um, terminology for them that I really liked. I really liked Seven Dust and I really liked Deftones. So, mm. You know, they to say that they, to lump them into the same pool as, like, let's say, uh, a, a Limp Biscuit or, right, right, or Machine or Head when they released the Burning Red, I thought was completely unfair. Mm-hmm. You know, and again, that's another genre that killed itself. Mm-hmm. What about you, Manny? Well, I, I think, I think, well, I think what killed it was uh, all all the things you said, but I also think. The death of Kurt Cobain, the drug addiction of Lane Staley, crippling Allison Chains, Pearl Jam kind of turned it away from 
being a huge corporate rock band to becoming internalized. I think all those things and Soundgarden breaking up. I think all those things help kill the genre um, because those are the big four. And it would have been like, you know, comparative to Black Sabbath, Led Zeppelin and Deep Purple in the 70s. So, you know, yeah. in my opinion. All right. Very cool. Well, I thank you guys very much for coming on the show. Ralph, it's good seeing you again. And hopefully we uh, see you nice again on you. the King Diamond show. You too, Manny, and I wear my Rap Salad Review shirt proudly. Good. I'm glad you do. And Manny, thank you again for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Appreciate you coming on here. It was a lot of fun. And Lou? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I'll live. <laughs> Lou, you got anything? <laughs> Lou, you got anything going on? Uh, well, uh, I just released my most recent episode of Music is Live podcast where I interviewed the amazing Helen Cullen, the wife of Def Leppard guitarist Phil Cullen. Spoke to her about her life, her career as a costume designer for um, sh- uh, theater shows and on television shows. Now she's making her living as a visual artist and as a photographer. So uh release part one of that episode part two is gonna come up soon um this saturday i'll be driving to poughkeepsie with my buddy matt michelow we'll be checking out ingve malmstein and my friends in the band images of eden playing at the chance theater and uh i'm just getting ready for the two shows that i'm doing with bad habits at thin lizzie tribute in january so awesome that'd be cool maybe i'll show up to one of those uh, one of them will be by? out by you. So all right, all right. where? Red River Inn. Yeah, sounds familiar. Oh, okay. All right, I know what it is. Yeah, right. I might show up to that one. Cool. <laughs> yeah, you get to meet about Jerry you? and the guys. Cool. Um, almost human on YouTube. Almost twenty five thousand subscribers. God, that's crazy. Uh, yeah, it's doing insanely well, and. um this right here, Melting Your Skull, is now on cassette. Yes, right. Unchained Tapes has just released Melting Your Skull on cassette. It's only $8. That's it. And it's awesome. It sounds amazing. I want to thank Chevy, the guy that hit me up, if he could release this. He says it's selling amazingly. And he's about to do a second pressing. So uh, check go, go on Unchained Tapes. I get, think it's Unchained Tapes. Just type in mm. Unchained Tapes throughout your guy in your Google and get yourself a copy of Melting Your Skull on cassette because it will make your penis larger. Oh, shit. What am I going to order right Just now? when you think he has... Yeah. Oh, fuck. Oh, yeah. fucked it up. <laughs> you fucked it up. Just <laughs> when you think you have all the answers, he changes the questions. Exactly. And if your penis is very large, do not listen to this because it'll be sliding out of your pants, man. It'll be embarrassing and you're going to get arrested. Yeah, you mm. did. Did you ever think that we would see cassettes getting huge again? Yeah, it's become a, a thing again, man. Yeah, it's so weird. So get this, and I got a podcast called the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with Ian Wadley, a guy that's even funnier than me. It's, it's hard to believe. And Vieira Vault, the Vieira Vault on uh, wherever the it's on Rock Salad Reviews. Whenever you do it, yeah, whenever I do it, I, I got a couple coming out soon. So, so check yeah. it out. Very that cassette cool. looks so cool because it looks like the old combat old records yeah. types yeah. cassettes. And, and, and it, like it has that uh, kind of SOD type type thing here. You know, what do they call it? Stencil. The stencil look. Mm. And 
I gotta show you this. When I, it's the same picture that's on the album. I said I want the I want to find the ugliest picture of the band. <laughs> I can make that out, but yeah, man, we are so fucking ugly on here. <laughs> man, look how fucking disgusting and disturbing we look. That is terrible. Uh, it, it was. It's it's really bad. And I'm proud to be the ugliest of the bunch. And believe me, that's not a hard thing to do. Look at these other guys. Uh, yeah, they're, they're all pretty ugly. <laughs> and you people can see how ugly they are up and close and personal if you go and buy that cassette. So please go and buy that. And go buy. Oh, and why he's promoting his thing? Go buy my CD, Project Resurrect. I was listening to that in my. Oh, I'm so sorry. Like two weeks ago. No, it's awesome, dude. I love that album. And I play it on my radio show. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's my show, too. On Thursday nights on that metal station. The highest rated show on the station. The Dr. Fuck Show. It's a very good show. I listen. To, I, every chance I get, I can listen to that show. Yeah, I know. You show up in the chat. I, I show up every once in a while. It's hard because I'm, I'm putting my son to bed usually at that time. But I, I just try to sneak and listen to it while I sleep. What, Lou? My second favorite album of 2021. No, stop it, please. But you can get it at projectresurrect.bandcamp.com. Uh, Manny. It is number two. It's below Halloween, self-titled. Sorry. <laughs> Damn it. Anything going on album. with you, Manny? No, nothing at all. Just work and uh, hanging out. That's about it. No. All right. Sounds good. Not well, a very exciting one. Yeah, I think yeah. so. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you again for joining <laughs> us, guys. And Thank you guys for watching. I had a lot of fun here and we will see you guys next week with Don Day Lamont as long as he doesn't leave his house and get injured or anything happened to him. So see you then. Bye. Ratsareview.com. Click like, subscribe down there. Comment now. Yes, please. Hit subscribe. Get us to 25,000 subscribers. We have to beat Ralph Vieira. <laughs>